Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and today you're going to be in for a treat because we're really going to get into some really, really fun stories. But today we're going to do something a little bit differently. Uh, we have Mimi Zhang on the line. She's a digital nomad. She's gone out there and done millions of things, traveled in like 10 different countries. We also have Raghav on the line as well, who um, went out there and did some interesting things as well. Uh, Mimi's going to actually take charge of the show for today because she wanted to feel what it's like to be a host and she wanted to be like hey you know what i can do this i can do this i'm nervous i I don't know what to do but i'm gonna give this a try so take it away mimi all right well thanks leonard for having me and ragab on the show yeah yeah this will be the first time i've co-hosted a radio show this is pretty exciting and new experience for me (laughs) yeah so I guess I should start off by sharing a little bit more about my background and uh, why I decided to become a digital nomad. Because I you was like working sprudels? Look, um, what was that, Leonard? Because you like sprudels? Because I like strudels? No, but Sp- I like boba. Sprudels. Sprudels? Yeah, the little you, puppy. You checked out my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I pretty much had a quarter-life crisis when I was working in Silicon Valley. And when I was 25, I ended up leaving, and I decided to travel for 20 months through 10 countries, and I lived in two of them. During that time, I figured a way how to make money, like doing career coaching, Uh writing-related work, and business development type of stuff. And that's how I became Digital Nomad. And during that time, I actually met Raghav online. I emailed him. Oh, cool. So, tell Rigab, me more. Tell us a bit more about yourself. How did you get started with this freelancing stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks, Leonard and me for having me on. Um, this is interesting. First time on a live radio show, so it should be good. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I got started in this actually, I think recently it was uh, near the, it was middle of 2016 is when I booked a one-way ticket to Bangkok and traveled all throughout Southeast Asia. So uh, my background is, is being a copywriter. So really what I did was um, I started out by um, writing career advice articles online. Um, in college, I got these different internships at in Silicon Valley and, uh, and, and different companies in San Francisco. And when you're from the Midwest, that's not like a common thing to do. So a lot of my friends kept on asking me how I got these different opportunities, how I built my network and stuff like that. I found myself saying the same thing to them over and over again. So I, I really just um, wrote articles so that I didn't have to tell them those things over and over again. I published them on Medium, published a little bit on Quora. Um, and yeah, they started uh, getting a lot of traction and I started building up a small email list and an audience that way. And I basically, I just figured out that if I could do that for myself, um, what if I could do similar copywriting for, for other people? So Really, I just started out with info products and with client work, and once that picked up enough steam, I just booked a ticket to Bangkok and went from there, spent six months traveling out throughout that region and 
met Mimi first online, but also in the fall <laughs> of we hung out. So that was cool. Yeah, and actually, I, I think I remember the specific article that you wrote, because I read it, because uh, it kept showing up on all these different channels, like Huffington Post, Business Insider, LinkedIn, like freaking A. I think you had 800,000 views or something, just from LinkedIn or somewhere. Um, and, and the name of that article is Land Any Job You Want, Even If You're Unqualified. And I remember thinking to myself, like, geez, this is pretty amazing, because it teaches you how to think of, like, doing the job before you're even hired. Um, like doing projects for different companies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like the core of that article was basically that you don't need to depend on a resume and a cover letter and the standard application process to get different jobs. So really my approach in getting these different opportunities was not in perfecting the right resume or the right cover letter or the right format um, or even the right portfolio, really. It was about diagnosing the company's problems in advance, doing as much research as I could on what problems that they were having, and then uh, what I call proving to them that I could do the job. So for example, like if, if I was applying for like a design position, like I might literally just mock up some designs for their specific site for some sort of feature that they're about to roll out, and I'll actually send them those, those suggestions in advance. So stuff like that, um, I found tended to make a much better impression than just standard advice, and I guess not that many other people were talking about that, so I guess that's why that got a lot of traction, um, but yeah, that's kind of my take on, on careers. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think that you should just do everything the way that everyone else does it, which doesn't always work the best, you know, if hundreds of or thousands of people are applying to that same job, like, how are you going to stand apart, you know? Yeah, I think the way that a lot of people think about it is like um, if there's like a lot of applications, I think people default into thinking that they have to have a better application or like a better resume or a better cover letter. And that stuff is important to some degree. But um, in my experience and in the experience of the people who I've talked to, it seems like going above and beyond that is really where it's at. And that's what the recruiters want to see too. Like companies love that when someone takes initiative. Yeah, definitely. And and going back to your point about um, how you started working with like other clients, like how did how did that process look like? Did people start contacting you after you got featured in these different channels, or um, did did you get started through people that you already know? Copywriting. Yeah, so like uh, once I started posting on Medium, I think probably Leonard, you have a similar experience with this, like once you start publishing a lot on these, on these channels like Quora and Medium, like uh, these publications like Business Insider, Huffington Post, Time, uh, like these different sites start picking up your content and republishing them. And uh, I didn't realize that was like a difficult thing to do just because like those publications would contact me uh, once my story got popular on Medium. Um, but it seems like that like a lot of other companies wanted to have that same kind of result with their content. So a lot of times once I got an article on Inc., for example, I would get like four or five uh, LinkedIn messages from companies saying, hey, can we also get an article on Inc.? Like, can you also do that for us? So that's sort of how that started. And then I realized that, oh, I guess people um, want content marketing help too, and I could help them get featured on these different sites. And that was kind of my first service, and it branched out from there into a whole bunch of different things 
blogging, email marketing, sales pages, a lot of different stuff. Can you blog for me? <laughs> for free? Uh, for free? For free? <laughs> for free? For free? I don't think so, man. I, I, think, I, think, I think your stories are fantastic the way they are. Like, it's got to come from you, man. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> Mimi, well, it's your um, show. <laughs> well, what did you say I was later? just asking a simple question. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the question. Uh, so, Rigob, like for someone who's just getting started, who doesn't know one single thing about copywriting or like freelancing, let's just say freelancing broadly, like how would you suggest them um, or what would you suggest for them to do to get their first client? Uh, so what I did was I went on job boards, um, and like a lot of the other freelancing advice out there, I think when I was first starting out, I found them to be a lot, I found them to be too complicated. Like a lot of them talked about setting up a blog or mm-hmm. building an email list or social media marketing, and there's all these different tactics. Uh, and I found those to be pretty overwhelming, um, especially when you're first starting out and you're not really sure what your service even is. You're not really sure what your clients want. You don't really have context on what you even do. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, in the beginning, my first like client source was Angelus, was a job board. So uh, the reason I find job boards really good, especially for people who are starting out, uh, is because like you already have, first of all, you already have qualified clients. You have people who are posting jobs on these sites, you already have companies that are um, that, that have qualified themselves as potential clients, and they give you a job description. They tell you exactly what they want done for their specific company. So that kind of puts you in a point of leverage where all you have to do at that point is just have good application. You just have to have a standout application, and if you get that, then you will usually be able to close them um, versus like other approaches where there's multiple chains in that sequence where you might have to set up a blog, build a list, you have to get them on a call, you have to sell them, you have to wait three months until they're ready, and, and, and it's just much mm-hmm. longer. So you know, job boards are just faster. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, if the people or people at companies are posting um, jobs or freelancing gigs, like, that would definitely be a way to go instead of reaching out to companies and trying to figure out if they need someone to do their content, which, like you said, might be three to six months down the road. How do you get good at making content and things like that? How do I get good at making content? Um, Or like, let's say, I don't know how to write. I don't know how to do anything. How do I get good at that? Yeah, that's, that's, the hardest thing that I've found to teach, but I think if I had to say it, the way that I do it is just by writing the way that I talk and writing stories rather than tactics. Um, I think overall, just across the board, that tends to be what's missing. Even if you write for clients and not just for yourself, like a lot of companies tend to leave out stories in their writing and they don't, they kind of focus a lot on the tactics and that's, that tends to be why content is commoditized so much these days is because everyone's focusing on like the actual information that they're saying and not like the story behind it. So I think if you can focus on that more so than the tactics, then you're, you, you'll naturally attract an audience. Cool. Well, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to switch the focus a little bit here. 
I think some people are probably curious, like, what a typical day looks like for you. Because you're doing copywriting, and you're also traveling and enjoying life. Like, yeah. What did it look like? Yeah. Feel it. Um, well, now I'm, I live in Los Angeles now, so I'm in, I'm in one spot at the moment. But I guess when I was traveling, uh, it was super exhausting. So, like, during the day over there, uh, it's in Thailand, especially in Southeast Asia, it's a very different time zone than the U.S. So, like, I would have to, um, I, sometimes I would, I would have to take client calls at, like, 4 a.m. Like, I would, I would, like, get up from the hostel and I would walk outside and the, the maid lady would always, like, recognize me as, like, the one dude who, like, gets up with his bag and, like, walks out to, like, the co-working space at 4 in the morning, like a weirdo. So, I, I would do yeah. that a lot. Um, I can relate to that totally because when I was in Bali, I would be waking up at 4 a.m. to take client calls as well. Yeah, it's rough. Huh? Like in Vietnam, I was up like at 3 a.m. multiple times a week to do that. So that, that, was, that was probably the roughest part, but that's, that's okay. That comes with the flexibility, I guess. Um, apart from that, I, I would do, um, yeah, I, I, work on, I worked on multiple different projects while I was on the road. There was uh, my own information products, my own career coaching products copywriting products, and also the actual client work itself. Um, my own products don't really take that much time because like, they're kind of on autopilot at the moment. But, uh, yeah, what, what took up the most time was the client work, uh, work I did for the companies. And, um, yeah, working around that time schedule was, was a challenge in the beginning, but kind of wore off a little bit. So where all did you go? Uh, I went to Thailand, started off in Thailand, and then... I went to Bangkok and Chiang Mai in Thailand. From there, I went to Siem Reap, Cambodia. Uh, then I went to Vietnam. And then I went to Hong Kong. I went to Macau. After that, I took the ferry from Hong Kong to Macau. And then I went from Macau down to, through Philippines to Melbourne, Australia. And, and then after that, I traveled around Australia for about a couple months. Melbourne, Sydney, Tasmania. And I closed the trip out by through front row seat to the Australian Open um, in Melbourne this past January. So that was cool. That's super sweet. Yeah. What's the coolest place you went to? Coolest place I went to? I mean, I, I really like Chiang Mai. I mean, like, that's like the digital nomad headquarters, I guess. But it's so, it's, it's so chill. It's so serene. And the city is small enough where, like, everyone almost knows each other. So it's, uh, I've never really felt that in a city apart from like a college town, like a college campus, I guess. That's like the only other place where you really feel that. But um, yeah, Chiang Mai was probably the one place where I felt that same vibe, which was, which was really fascinating. Nice. Yeah. I think I'll have to put Chiang Mai on my list. I actually haven't been to Thailand yet. I'm surprised you didn't. You were, you were right there. You were in Malaysia, <laughs> right? I know. Oh, I, I think I was going to go to Thailand um, that time that we met up in Malaysia, like instead, but there was some sort of terrorist attack in Thailand, and then I decided not to go. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, there was like a bombing there or something. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like five different resort. places. So I was like, oh. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of drama. Well, uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be hopping off for a little commercial break. Once again, this is Mimi Zhang and Bagov here. We're pretty much chatting about some interesting nomad lifestyles you can find them online and you can find me at mr leonard kim on twitter where could you find you guys 
Uh, I guess you can find me landanyjobyouwant.com. That's my website, which hasn't been updated in several months. Uh, I'm also on Medium. <laughs> Medium. If you just like Google Raga on Medium, you'll find something. So yeah, those are the two places. Really yeah, you, you can Mimi. find me on mimizang.com, but uh, I haven't been that, that active on on that website, to be honest. Okay, cool. So we'll stop by for a commercial break because no one's really that active online. So we're going to take a break and figure out how we can get more active. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim is back again, and we're with Mimi Zang and Raghav, and we're going to really get into the next segment of this. Mimi, what's the next segment going to be about? Oh, well, this kind of switches it up a little bit. So I'm a Raghav's email list and he recently wrote an email about his how do you pronounce this ayahuasca trip went to what's Peru ayahuasca? what's ayahuasca ayahuasca is a psychedelic plant in South America so um, it's like if you heard of DMT dimethyltryptamine, uh, ayahuasca contains that and this other inhibitor that stops your stomach from breaking down the DMT. So you have like an eight hour long DMT trip. Oh, I went down there and I did it at a retreat in Peru. Um, and a lot of people do that because like, I don't know, it, uh, from the South Americans perspective, those ancient tribes and stuff, you actually learn a lot about yourself and it's, it's used a lot for like self-reflection. <laughs> I was just super curious about it because, like, nowadays, it's almost like becoming a trend in Silicon Valley. So I was like, I've got to go down and at least try it. So 
I went down a couple of weeks back and I, I had that experience. Ooh, that sounds pretty cool. So, um, Mimi, do you have questions about this experience? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how much uh, details you'd like to divulge, but we're, we're <laughs> kind of curious on what it felt like. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's probably did you die? Way, way crazy, but... Uh, <laughs> like, did you yeah, die? Whatever you described. You could you could die. I mean, well, actually, no. You can't you can't really die. I guess like if you have like a massively high dose, then you can. But like no one no one gives you that, so it's it's fine. Um, it it's done in like a ceremonial setting. So you go there and there's like it, they prepare you a lot for it because of how intense it is. So you have a diet that you have to follow two weeks out. Um, you can't have stimulants. You can't have coffee. Can't have chocolate. Uh, and there's like certain other things you can't have. Um, you can't be on like antidepressants. Um, there's like certain prescription drugs that they that it does not interact well with, so they don't allow you to have those. Um, and before you start the experience, they actually hook. There's like a cardiologist who examines you, and they for me they hooked me up to like an EKG. They check my heart rate. They check my blood pressure. They went through my medical history. Like it was like a comprehensive examination before actually getting into the retreat. So. The actual retreat itself, once you pass all those things, is uh, uh, you can either sign up for, I think, like three days or five days. I did it for three days. Um, and really, it's, it's an all-inclusive retreat. So you're kind of there at this, at this village area in Peru and Cusco. That's where I did it at. And uh, there's, it, they, they actually give you food, too. So they give you vegan food. Uh, on the day of the ceremony, they don't feed you at all. I'm not really sure why. I think because... You could have like diarrhea potentially while you while you drink ayahuasca. So like so they don't yeah. they don't feed you at all during the day. Yeah. So but but then after that at night they uh, set everything up for the ceremony. You go into this like giant hut like structure uh, and with everyone else who's also at the retreat, which was like I think four other people. Um, they give you a sleeping bag, pillows. They make sure you're super comfortable, and the shaman conducts the ceremony and you drink it. So, and then after that, for eight hours, you're, you're wherever you're at. So, that's, that's how that was. It, it was extremely intense, though. Like, mentally, the next day, you're just like, what the hell just happened? You have to process it for a long time. So, does it take, like, a long time to, like, remember what happened? Is it like uh, getting a hangover or is it like drinking a lot where you're like, oh, I can't remember anything I did last night? No, it's, 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 it's the exact opposite, basically, because it. It's so intense that it gets, like, burned into your brain. So it's not that you're recovering from, like, re- remembering because you, you can't forget it. But it's more like, wow, I can't. Because, like, you know that it's, you know that for the period of time that you're tripping, like, that's a hallucination into your subconscious. But, like, it feels like it's a different reality for that period. So, and there's no other feeling like that. So you're almost just trying to process that. Oh. What were yeah. some of the biggest realizations you came back with after that trip? Yeah, well, it's a lot of the realizations that you have, I think I'm not really sure the science. I have no idea, like, the mechanism or anything behind how this works. But typically, what people report on this and what others on their tree and myself uh, felt was that you're, you almost, like, it, it almost feels like you're talking to your subconscious through, like, hallucinations. 
So you go into there with like an intention. Usually they say something like, the shaman will say something like, um, you have to come in with like some idea of what you want to get out of it. So for some people, for one guy there, uh, he had like a lot of anger issues from the army, for example. Um, another guy had like a lot of relationship problems. Um, for me, I was just curious, like, uh, like how could it help me connect with people at a deeper level? So that's kind of what I came into it with. So based on that intention, based on that vibe, that mindset that you have going into it, you almost have visions and relive past experiences that are relevant to that. So there were so many like, there's so many like traumatic memories that you relive that a lot of times you didn't even know were traumatic. Like you didn't even realize that the thing that you did in the third grade with your friend screwed you up or like this thing that the teacher said in the first grade is what's preventing you from being comfortable with authority or, you know, there's like all these little things that you relive in extreme intense emotion. And once you're done with it, you're like, wow, that was, you just purged all that. So it's really hard to describe the experience because of how emotional and illogical it is. But really it's, it's going through like past experiences, I guess, and reinterpreting them in a different emotional context. So you don't relive, you don't, you don't come out of it with the same trauma that you had going into it because you almost have a re, you almost have a new interpretation of that trauma, if that makes sense, because you're almost just reliving it. So that was pretty crazy. Because you're like, writing the story. What's that? What happened? You're rewriting the interpretation of the story of what happened. Yeah, essentially, because you're, I guess, yeah, you're almost like reliving it. So, like, uh, a lot of times, like, there were, there were a couple other guys at the retreat who started crying halfway through. Um, another guy started screaming halfway through. Like, this is, like, intense emotion because you feel it as though you are feeling it the first time. And really, it's more than the first time because your brain's so sensitive. And, and I guess maybe, I don't know, emotions and the vibes that you feel are just so much stronger when you're in that state. So, um, this sounds yeah, it, a lot. This sounds a lot easier than what I did. I mean, <laughs> for me, like what I did is um, I got drunk one night and I tried hopping over my fence because I forgot I had the keys in my pocket and I landed the wrong way and I broke my ankle and I was stuck, basically unable to do anything for three months. So I had to reflect back on my entire life because I had nothing else to do. Like, why am I here? I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be today. And that my life sucks. Maybe I should go figure it out. Then I had to go ask myself, why am I here? What, what led me here? And go back and replay all those decisions. But that took about three months. It looks like you did that in about a day. So maybe I should have just done that and not broken my ankle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe you should have done ayahuasca <laughs> instead of being Now it's too late. Yeah. I already went through three months of pain. <laughs> <laughs> People say it's like eight years of meditation and eight hours. I'm not sure how true that is, but like I think I think some of the research supports it. So it's it's interesting. Cool. That's a lot less time than um, I took. For my experiences, but um, so much, I'm, sure, I'm sure yours was probably I don't know more. You could like you know you could chill. You could like watch TV in the middle. Like for me, it was just like in extreme mental intensity for eight hours straight. So, so does everyone like make it through that? Do some people like have difficulty and they get stuck? Like, do some people oh, lose their minds when they do it? 
Um, well, you, you can't do it if you have like if you have like predisposition for mental illness or like if you're or if you have some slight mental illness, they don't let you do it because that could throw you full blown into that illness. Um, and there are like risks. I think some of the risks are like psychosis and like you could go like insane or something. Um, if you have predisposition for that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think the most common difficulty is just that people just feel all these emotions and intensity halfway through. Like the common thing that the shaman will say to everyone is that you have to like let go and surrender to the experience because part of what happens in the experience is that your ego gets completely disintegrated. So you imagine like not having a sense of self, like imagine not, Imagine not being Leonard Kim. Like everything that's true about Leonard Kim is not true at all for this eight hours. Like it's just all. Yeah, that's how I felt my whole it, life. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't like exist. It's been yeah, it's been it's been it's been crushed. So for a lot of people, like that process is like so excruciating because it's it's extremely scary. So people try to hold on to it, and once you try to hold on to it, or once you try to fight the experience is when it really becomes almost traumatizing in a way. Huh. So when are you going to do this, Mimi? <laughs> That's funny that you ask. If right. I was hypothetically to do this, I think I would have a hard time with letting my ego completely go. You know? Like Are you booking your ticket right now? Be gone. Huh? <laughs> are you booking your ticket right now? No comment. <laughs> That's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> so when are you when are you ending up in Peru? What what am I ending up in Peru? I mean, no, I'm like, <laughs> baby, I'm asking when she's going to Peru to do Alaska. Like she's saying she's going without saying she's no, going. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said uh, no comment, which can okay, be interpreted so, a lot of different ways, right, guys? So what date are you going to be there? She said early next year. That's what she said. I'm going to hold it. <laughs> early next year? Oh, cool. <laughs> Is it going to be in January, February, or March? You're just going to get a from my end. <laughs> She's like, I'm not answering any more questions. I'm not answering to anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I'm not... Maybe I'm not fully convinced yet. Maybe Raghav should, should tell me about some of the other positive side effects, huh? <laughs> oh, are you scared of going crazy? Do you think you're going to go crazy? Me? Yeah. Mm, I, I don't know. I think I would have a hard time, like, letting go because I'm a type of person that likes to be in control. But then you've, you've seemed frozen, right? Let with. it go. Let it go. <laughs> so just watch Frozen before you go. You'll be fine. <laughs> I guess then I'll be like tripping in an Iceland. Oh yeah. Full of snow. Uh, I, I, Iceland's actually warm. Greenland's a cold one. <laughs> oh crap. Rob, <laughs> 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 do you have um, any other stuff you'd like to share with us about the experience? Um, I guess like the after effects is what people do it for. People don't do it for like tripping out because it's really not fun to do. Um, but the after effects, you have a lot less anxiety about everything. You feel much better about yourself. Um, if you have problems, like there's people who have depression who go in there and they're like cured afterwards. Like 
I know there was one guy with like heroin addiction who was cured afterwards with like no withdrawal symptoms, which is insane. So stuff like that, like, um, can really help. So, um, really people do it for the after effects and I've experienced, I think I'm, I'm just a lot more present now. If I had to describe what happened to me, I'm just a lot more in the moment. I'm not really thinking about like the next thing to do. I'm not thinking about like, what is the other person going to think of what I'm saying when I'm saying it? Like stuff like that is, is completely wiped out of my head. So I'm just, I'm just a lot more present. And I think what comes with that is just being a lot more chill. So that's good. Cool. So cool. what it really did is like, refine who you are, <laughs> let you be comfortable with your surroundings, and you're like, you know what, I'm me, this is cool, I can live in my own skin, and I don't have to be scared about what other people think anymore, because I don't give a F. <laughs> Flying F. Well, actually, really, Leonard, it, if, if, you, if you go to Peru, then I will go with you. How about that? Is that a deal? I already mm-hmm. did the experience by having my leg broken for three months, and I already went through and replayed all my memories. Why do I have to do it again? Do you know how hard that three months was to go and go, oh, yeah. why am I such a loser? Oh, it's because my ex always yelled at me and wanted me to be rich, and she said, oh, you're not a loser because you're making six figures. And then it's like, why Why do I go and try to make shortcuts? Oh, yeah, it's a voice in my head for my ex. I don't want to relive all that again. <laughs> well, it, it was entertaining to read. Yeah, to read, not to live. Yeah, you're right. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and Rab, is There's this, a is this story some, something that you've publicly talked about, or is this your first time talking about it? Uh, I've never talked about it. I wrote about it a little bit on my list, uh, to my email list, but... Yay! Yeah, For special this, this is This is exclusive right here. So what are we supposed to do with this exclusive? Have a party? Can we make sure there's no ayahuasca at this party? <laughs> Actually, Ragav is also in LA. Why don't you fly out here, Mimi? Why don't we all go out for like um, a celebratory drink? Huh? I said, yeah. I feel like we all should hang out. Yeah, I mean, we're only a plane trip away, and what's the ticket cost? Like 80 bucks? And it's cheaper for you to come here. Huh? I know. (laughs) It's cheaper for you to come here because we have two people here and you only have one person there. So we'd have to double up if we went. So you have to come down. Okay, fine. When are you making your way over? I guess I could in the next month or so. Okay, cool. My birthday is on December 21st, so you could bring me a present. <laughs> okay, I have to think about that. <laughs> what to get? Cool. So is there anything else about ayahuasca that we should know about? Uh, I think I've pretty much covered actually the main, all the main stuff. I'm not sure there's anything else. It's intense, it's unpleasant, it sucks doing it, but afterwards it feels good. So, yeah, that's pretty much just. So anyone out there, if you're listening to this and you want to ruin eight hours of your life, there's something called ayahuasca out there that will completely ruin everything about your life for about eight hours. But after those eight hours, you should find some clarity. You should find some vision. You should be able to go out there and take control of your life, kind of like what I did, kind of like what Rob did, did, and kind of like what Mimi is going to do later. Uh, We're going to be hopping off for a commercial break. You can find me at Mr. Larry Kim on Twitter. And where can you find you guys? 
You can find me on Medium, medium.com slash Ragapuran. You can find me on mimizang.com. Cool, and we'll be back after this short commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim back, and we're back with Rugav and Mimi. And what are we talking about now, Mimi? Take it away. <laughs> I, I think it would be good to kind of circle back on the copywriting and nomad stuff after that crazy second segment we had there about ayahuasca. Maybe we should do this. Maybe Mimi should tell us a little bit about her nomad adventures because you were gone for how many years? I wasn't gone for like that, that long, but 20 months, 10 countries. 20 months. Wow. 10 countries. Go on. Uh, All right. Well, how about Raghav takes turns asking me a question? <laughs> Switch it up. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, where, where all did you go? I actually don't know. Oh, okay. So I was living in Taiwan for 11 months. I lived in Oxford, England for a few months and went to Malaysia twice, Bali for a month, Shanghai, China, Spain, Portugal, France, India twice, 
and then Columbia before I came back to the States. Where's your family from? My family? Yeah. Like, where are we ethnically from? Or yeah. Yeah. Where are they living? Where, where are you ethnically from? They're, they're from China, or I guess we're from China. Like, what part? Like, Shanghai, Taiwan, Guangzhou? Yeah. We're from the south, uh, eastern part of China, Fuzhou, Fujian province, which is known for a lot of nomadic people. Like, oh, really? even when I go to these different countries, like France, Spain, and I go to a Chinese restaurant, someone from Fujian Oh, cool. So, like, yeah. it's just natural. It's like in your DNA to go be a, a adventurer. Yes, it, it definitely is. Like, in the past 30 years, 50-plus of my extended family members have immigrated to the States. That's pretty crazy. So that means you're probably never going to, like, um, settle down or anything, right? <laughs> settle down? Well, you know what? I, I really love Denver. Like, I want to make Denver my long-term home base, like, to stay six to nine months of the year, and then I can travel the rest of the time. Because I never mm. had a home, and so I'm excited to have a home now. Ooh, so this is going to be like your new home home, where you're like, oh, look, it's my home. Yes, I'm actually then, in my home home as we speak, walking around. <laughs> but then wouldn't that like take away from all your nomadicness? No, I think I want more of, like, a balance. I mean, Rigob mentioned earlier, it can be really exhausting to be on the road um, all the time and working with a lot of different clients because of the time zone thing. So you're telling me you don't like waking up at 4 a.m. to answer a client call? That is possibly correct, Leonard. <laughs> you don't get excited about that? You don't jump for joy? You're like, oh, my God, the client's calling. I'm so ready to get out of bed. <laughs> uh, I like that. Well, if you're, if you're in Europe, it's not that horrible, right? If you're, like, in Portugal, yeah, you can Europe. still... Or Colombia. Or, like, Latin America should be fine. But I do like yeah. Asia. There's something, like, raw and unpolished about places in Asia and India that um, you don't get in developing or developed countries. Hmm. <clears throat> Tell me more about that. Hmm... Okay, I guess I guess India is probably the best example. I mean, I I freaking love love India. It's uh it's like nowhere that I've ever been. It's just so raw, so unpolished. Like the first thing I see after um, getting out of the airport, um, in, in a major city, on the highway, I see cows everywhere laying down, um, eating trash. I don't know, laying down in trash. But the cows are like sacred in India. But they, like, hang out during the day, and they come back uh, home at night. They know where their owners are. Um, and it's just really dusty there. And I think India's pretty cool because it's very diverse. I don't know how many religions and cultures there are. There's probably, like, 100. Raghav might actually know better. But, yeah. So, it's just like, what, what, what city? Huh? What city did what you cities go to? What cities did I go? Yeah. I, yeah. I was in Bangalore twice. And I actually stayed in Bangalore the second time for two weeks. I went to... Jaipur, I believe that's the pink palace city. Uh, Delhi, actually, I didn't like Delhi though. Uh, Barapur and Agra, those were the places I went to. Got it. Cool. Yeah, I'm from the south, Madras. I think that's, I'm not yeah. sure how different that is. Yeah, like it's it's like the south is like polar opposite from the north. Like it's it's actually very different. And and plus, like you know, 
when when I was working in Silicon Valley, actually, sixty or seventy percent of my friends um, were were of Indian descent or like from India, and so I learned a lot more about like the different cultures and like just really appreciate the food. I mean, at this point, I feel like I'm twenty five percent Indian. <laughs> oh, cool! Yeah. What's the other seventy five percent? Another seventy five percent. Snap! <laughs> I don't think I feel that Chinesey, but that I don't want to give specific percentages because I might change my mind later. But uh, I know I'm definitely Chinese by by heritage, but I feel much more American than anything else. So if you count it that way, that might be fifty percent American, twenty five percent Chinese, twenty five percent Indian. Of that, cool. I feel a lot of percent American for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Uh, close, probably really close. But then I took twenty three of me and it said I had no American in me, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Rigad? Like, what what percentage are you of what that you feel like you are? I feel like, I feel like I'm all American, but I also love like Taco Bell, like Mexican food. So I would probably oh, say geez. Mexican. What? I said, oh, geez, but Taco Bell, is that real Mexican, though? Oh, the best. Like, I, if, you're, if you're in the Midwest, like, that is, like, the place to go. Wait, so you like Taco Bell more than you like <laughs> Del Taco? More than, like, what? Del Taco. <laughs> Del Taco? No Taco. Del Taco. Del Taco. Taco? Del I, don't Taco. I don't know what that is. Yeah. You've never oh, been to Del Taco? I've never heard of I Del have. Taco. What's Del Taco? Oh, my God. <laughs> so there's this other fast food chain, which is similar to Taco Bell. It's called Del Taco. And it's pretty unique because one of the items that they have on the menu is a burger that tastes as American as you can get. And they sell fries there, too. But they have these chicken tacos, and I believe they're like 89 cents or $1.29. Mm-hmm. You should probably get those today because I think they have a special for three of them, three of them on Thursdays, right? Three, three chicken tacos for like 2 50 or something like that. They're amazing. You'll eat one taco and you'll be like, oh my God, I need another one. Then you'll eat the other one and you'll be like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I got three for this little money. I think you really gotta go try it. Like Mimi, do you like Del Taco? Yeah, I like Del Taco. We have them here. Better than Taco Bell? Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna say I like Del Taco better than Taco Bell. Sorry, man. Chipotle yeah. is also good though. I love I think now now that I'm in LA, like Chipotle is my go to. Not so much Taco Bell. But then Chipotle is in a different price bracket. You have to go to Del Taco to match match um, hey. dollars for dollars or apples and apples. Speaking of Chipotle, I have like a short little story for y- you guys. I actually okay. went to high school uh, several blocks away from the first Chipotle ever. And so we'd always go on Fridays. That's my feel. Oh, cool. When I was in, when I was working at the Beverly Center selling women's shoes back when I was like 18 or something. Oh, yeah. Job out of uh, high school. Yay. Um, I used to eat at Chipotle almost every single day once they made it. I'm like, wow, this is like the best place ever. Yay. But what I don't get well, right now is Del Taco, Taco Bell, and Chipotle. They're all releasing queso on their menu. It's like, why are you calling it queso for one? And two, why is it melted cheese? And three, what's making it so popular? What's making it so popular, guys? What's making it so popular? 
Pesos like the best new addition to their menu. <laughs> why is it so popular? Like, why is everyone getting into it? Like, what made them all decide to, that they should all go release queso right now? Well, I don't know. I don't really eat that much cheese. I'm lactose intolerant. Uh, I'm talking yeah. to you, Raga. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really good. I think it's really good. I think I think maybe Cadoba had it before everybody else. Yeah, he they did. I think Cordoba? so. Yeah, Cadoba always got it. Oh, Cadoba. Oh, that place. Oh, so they probably copied them. Like, I go to this small little place called Plato near my house, and then they put these, they make these queso fries, and once you eat them, all you want to do is sleep. I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, the best food to eat. When they went to go to bed. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Approved. Yeah. So what's the best thing you've eaten this week? What's the best thing I've eaten? Uh-huh, this week. This week? Oh, snap. I have to think about that. I actually cook a lot. I don't think I cooked that much this week, unfortunately. When you We're were traveling and when you were traveling and going across the world, did you cook anything or did you go eat out? Did you eat street food? Like Oh, this? yeah, I I couldn't really cook when I was traveling. Uh, because, well, well, sometimes, like, the, I don't know what you call it, they, there wasn't, like, a proper stove or an easy stove to cook. Mm. Um, I think one time I kind of started a fire, a small fire, in my Taiwan apartment on accident. That's pretty cool. So that discouraged me from cooking. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, when, when you travel, it's kind of, it, it's more hectic. And, and some of the places, like, you end up staying at uh, might not have, like, a proper kitchen to cook. Yeah, so that's one thing I definitely enjoy now since I've been back. Like, I, I cook, like, crab legs, lamb chops, stuffed bell peppers, like, a lot of different things. I'm really good you to eat at your house. <laughs> yeah, at dinner parties, once or twice a week. Awesome. That sounds pretty cool. Twice a week. So when you were... Oh. Huh? Go on. No, I think twice a week dinner parties. That's pretty cool. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, well, right now it's more like once a week, but when I'm less busy, I'll do like twice. Yeah, different people come over. So what we're going to have to do is she's going to have to come here first, and we're going to have to go there and eat out her entire fridge. Okay, okay, you guys. Like, I'll so any, whatever. Anyone who's listening to this show, if you want to go out to um, – if you want to go out and you want to have dinner, go to MimiZing.com. <laughs> <laughs> she hosts dinner parties. <laughs> They're going to be confused. <laughs> Just look for her email and send her an email and say, I want dinner party. I want dinner party now. And then she'll know that the hellier came from this radio show and she'll know that you're the person that she's taking out to eat. And she's going to cook for you. <laughs> I'm getting you leads, Mimi. They might not be the right leads, but I'm getting you leads. <laughs> Cooking, like, oh jeez! I'm gonna turn uh, into my parents. <laughs> my parents have like, well, actually, they don't, they don't have a restaurant right now, but usually they do. <laughs> pop up shop. <laughs> oh, you could turn your house into a pop up. You could be like twenty two dollars for for dinner. Uh, you get one free chicken to run around and put pet. <laughs> yeah, that that might work. You know, actually, yeah. I. I, I have, like, a vintage experience at my house, too, because I made this wooden bench so people can feel really luxurious sitting on this wood slab bench that's custom-made. 
served with crab legs or something and roasted artichoke. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of getting excited to come over. Are you getting excited to go over, Raghav? Yeah, I'm getting pumped. I mean, she said that she would come over here first. I think we decided on December is what, <laughs> what we talked about. So I think... Oh, yeah. She, she's going to bring me a okay. birthday gift. Then after that, we'll schedule a trip to her place. Yeah, December's okay. good. Sounds good. <laughs> Where are you going to get me for my birthday? Well, I have to brainstorm and, and like, <laughs> search for what you like first without making it freaking obvious. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I should be asking you on the yeah, right? <laughs> so, is there anything... Maybe I forgot. What should we get later? <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to close out with? Um, I think I think that's all good from, from my end. Um, Come there, on, give everyone, give everyone like a little verse of wisdom or something that they can go and pass on and go take with their day. Like, every passing oh. moment's another chance to turn it around or something. Okay. Um, well, for me, it might not be, like, PG, but I'll, I'll, I'll say something. Okay. After a guy says something. <laughs> <laughs> no, you said you first. Go first. <laughs> dang it, dang it, dang it. Well, is it okay if I cast on the show or no? I don't, know, maybe, I don't know. Just say it, and we'll figure it out. <laughs> Go for whatever the fuck you want in life, because life is too fucking short. And cool. the two F words. There we go. Um, <laughs> Your turn. What, what should I say? Go do ayahuasca. Okay, cool. So we got these two tips that you can go and work with. Uh, once again, we really thank you for tuning into the show. This is Mimi, Raghav, and Leonard. We're all signing out. We'll be checking you out next week. And thank you for tuning into the Influence Tree Show. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.